Welcome to the Owners Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Prue Chapman, and I'm here to help you create a better business. Over the past 10 years, I've built a global business from scratch that enables me to work from anywhere, which is sometimes in my hometown of Byron Bay, and quite often from the back of a camper van somewhere off the beaten track. Along the way, I've had the joy of mentoring some of the most successful creative entrepreneurs around. And here on the Owners Collective Podcast, I'm going to help you do the same. So get ready for a series of short, sharp throwdowns to help you build the business that's right for you. If you're keen to get started already, I've got a freebie for you. Head to theownerscollective.com forward slash start and scale for my downloadable guide on how to grow your gig. Hey, hey, friends. So as you all know, I am super passionate about using business as a force for good. And in a time when our governments are slow to act, charities are bound by red tape a lot of the time, I honestly believe that business has the agility and the resources to really action some change fast. And this is honestly one of the things that I love most about business, its ability to really drive change. So in today's episode, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into what good business really means and how we can amplify this message to really grow our impact. So we have a very special guest, and that is Natalie Dean Waymark, uh, the founder of Compass Studio. So Compass Studio is a marketing and PR agency based in Sydney who work with purpose-led brands to develop bespoke marketing strategies, compelling content, and purposeful PR campaigns. Basically, they spread the message of good business far and wide. I absolutely love their work. They're a certified B Corp. Their clients include Patagonia, Thank You Group, All Press Espresso, CBIM Project, and so many more. Not only that, but they have just released a really cool ebook, The Business of Good Business, How to Market for Impact and Connect with Consciously Minded Audiences. So Nat, welcome to the show. What an intro. Thank you. (laughs) I know. And it makes me so excited because this is honestly, it's why I do business because it can be such a powerful and driving force for good. And I mean, you guys, you actually, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because I'm going to ask you about your decisions to really niche into this area. But I thought we could actually kick off with if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to launch Compass Studio. Yeah, of course. So Compass Studio was started with my husband, Luke, um, three and a half years ago. And basically we were at the top of our games um, in our individual industry. Luke was a shareholder in a PR firm and I was working as a commercial director in some of Australia's biggest publishers. And basically, we were just really unenthused by what we were doing every day. Like, I'm sure all of all of us know that Australia's biggest advertisers are not necessarily Australia's most inspirational brands. And it got to a point where we were deliberately withholding the clients that we were working on or the campaigns that we were working on. And we just were, we just, that, that, that thing that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning just wasn't there. So we were like, okay, let's go on a sabbatical. Let's move to Bali. Let's not work. And then we were, we remembered that we didn't actually have the money to not work. And we were like, <laughs> well, <laughs> which was an important Reality thing to, to, yes, which is a very important thing to get clear on early. And we were like, well, how do we do what we're good at? Um, how do we do the work that we've spent a career finessing 
just with brands that we really love and with and how do we change the world in the process. And so out of that idea, Compass Studio was born um, and at about the same time that we both quit our full-time jobs and decided to launch, we found out we were pregnant with our first child, Darcy. So Compass was born at about the same time that Darcy was born, which sounds like a big mess, but it also meant that we made some really good decisions early on to hire people, really talented individuals around us to support us. So we scaled quite quickly. And since then, we've been lucky enough to work with some of Australia's most ethical and environmentally sustainable brands. Um, we have a, a bright and light office here in Manly on the northern beaches of Sydney and we have a beautiful and talented team around us. So that's that's kind of how the last three and a half years have gone down. Oh, absolutely incredible. Um, and what I love about your story is it's kind of that blending of head and heart because, you know, you guys were really at the top of your game doing, you know, all in that head work, like doing what you strategically knew how to do and driving those results. But, you know, no matter where the top kind of is or those kind of mm. metrics of success kind of look to be, if your heart's not in it, then, I mean, that's the meaning and the fulfillment of the work, right, which is is so important. So I just think kudos to you guys and to anyone listening as well, that if you are at the top of that game, but it doesn't feel quite fulfilling, like, it's a big, mm. scary leap to to jump out of that, you know, like oh, the big pay packet, recognition, all of those kind of things. But it's cool to see you guys leap even with a baby in tow and actually make it work. Yeah. Well, it's actually just about finding a life that you don't need to escape from. So finding, mm. you know, and we're all amongst this this very idea right now, Prue and I were just discussing about when was the last time we were actually going to be able to leave the country or when is the next time we're going to be able to leave the country. But strangely enough, I'm okay with that because my life, I've got my life and my work to a point where it feels pretty good every day. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. Now, one thing that you did, I mean, was it right from the get-go or was it along the journey when you honed in on working with brands that do good? Was it was it right from when you set out? Yes, it was absolutely. So the um so Luke and I decided very early on that we needed the the dinner party test. So that's like, would we talk about this client? Would we talk about this campaign to our friends at a dinner party? So we wanted to help world-bettering brands be better. And that was the kind of benchmark that Compass was founded upon. Um, so it's, and like pe a lot of people ask me, what is the definition of a good business? And for us, it's a passion point. It's something, it's just a commitment to do better. It's a, it's a, it's a path that we're both walking alongside each other on. And it's, you know, it's definitely not perfection. It's just a commitment to do better. And that was something that we were really clear on early on. And I feel like it's made so much of what we've done since then easier because it's kind of like a funnel that you run every decision through, not just who you mm -hmm. partner with, but also who you hire, what you talk about on social media, what you don't talk about on social media, what you what you support, what you don't support. Like, yeah, it's 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 almost like a cheat sheet, actually. <laughs> Yeah, or a true north. That's how I tend to like to think about it. You know, once you've yes, got that true north. Yes, that's probably a better way to explain it. Yeah, yeah a it, compass. It, a compass, ironically. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. Very clever. <laughs> um, so you're a certified B Corp. Um which is also really impressive because I think, you know, across this podcast and my other podcast, One Mild Ride, we talked to lots of B Corps and it's usually the bigger companies that go 
that, that gets certified by B Corp. So you as kind of like smaller and start, you know, in your startup years, certifying for B Corp, like that's a lot of work and a pretty big deal. Mm, but it's easier to start right. It, it really is. Like I, the, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say the B Corp process is easier, nor should it be, but it's so easier to get, it's it's so much easier to to get your foundations internal, internal and external right from the start. Because right now we're eight, we're eight people, but if we're 80 people, we're still going to be a good business. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So true. Now you run a little thing called the North Initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in doing good just for for the doing good because that's what's needed, not necessarily, and not all good that you do should necessarily be spoke about. So we never speak about North Initiative. I've actually never spoken publicly about North Initiative because this is something, um, but I'm happy to, so thank you for the question. But this is something that Luke and I I think we had one client when we formated when we formulated the North Initiative, which is basically a quarterly project um, where we dedicate our service to free, for free to one not for profit. So that works out to be about three hundred three hundred billable hours per year, which is a lot. Mm. But for us, it was really essential that we were offering our services at our PR and marketing services to not only brands that could afford to work with us, but also for brands doing good. Because you can't talk about representing good brands without, you know, having your own ethical, moral and moral commitments and compass. So, and it's also now part of our official B Corp certification that no matter how big we are, whether again, we're eight or 80 people, we'll dedicate 5% of all billable time to um, pro bono projects. And we've been really lucky to... Yeah, and as part of our North Initiative, we've actually worked with such awesome brands. The Seabean Project is one of them, Habitat for Humanity, um, Clean Coast Collective, Rainforest Rescue, Green Fleet Australia. So really beautiful brands that if anyone listening isn't across, um, definitely check them out. Ah, I love that. And actually, yeah, you, you connected me actually with Pete from CBM Project, who's just such yes, a dude. And I'm friends legend. with Nat from the King Clean Coast Collective. So I love that you're doing that. And it really just evidences walking your talk, which I think is a big part of what good business is all about. Like it's about being transparent. It's about it's about doing good in the world, you know, and that is about, yeah, not just taking care of your own backyard, but actually taking that step above and beyond and looking after other people's backyards as well. So I really, really dig that you guys are doing that. Now, I wanted to kind of tap into um, this year. I feel like this year in particular, like good business has really kind of come on trend for lack of a better expression, Mm. which is awesome. Like I think, I mean, it, it kind of, I guess it will have its, we need to be careful of greenwashing, but also if more businesses want to do good, then that's absolutely a good thing. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain on what you think is, behind that, these kind of, whether they're social, economic or environmental drivers that have just seen this huge upswell in this, in, in the, the, the focus, I guess, and the uptake of this good business kind of paradigm. Yeah. So I actually jump into this in the first chapter of the ebook, but what I think has really inspired this, um, in a nutshell is 2020 has been such a year. It's been such a year of, um, uproar and and just the news cycle has been a mess like we've had floods we've had fires we've had um 
mass us uprest in terms of diversity and racial issues. We've had COVID, the stay-at-home movement. We're back in COVID now. So I think consumers are more clued into the fact than ever before that, you know, what are brands doing? What are businesses doing to ensure 2020 isn't every year from now on? And, you know, what? how are we as businesses and public figures representing those causes that mean the most to people right now. And I think also on a secondary note, businesses and brands now have like, you know, the power that in other country governments have because, you know, we rely on on change-making brands, for example, Patagonia, to lead environmental change within, within Australia. And so mm-hmm. when brands, when we have such good businesses operating in this climate, we look to them for advice, for action, for a promise of a better tomorrow. And I think um, that puts more pressure on brands than ever before to be really clear on what they value and what they speak to and also what they need to be silent on. Mm, That's such a great way to say that. And I couldn't agree more because I really feel like Something I'm really passionate about, actually, is that people align with brands that share values with them. And particularly in our like modern day world, it's like, okay, well, governments, they feel really out of reach and we only have an election every, you know, four years, whatever it is. Like this seems like a long time. It's, yeah, that's what I'm like. Is it three? Is it five? I don't know. It's a really long time mm. between elections. And so it's like when you do find a brand, and I mean, I adore Patagonia. I think I'm head to toe in Patagonia right now. Um, <laughs> when you do find a brand that really shares your values, it's like, okay, well, you can really, you can engage and interact with that brand every single day, you know, whether that's purchasing their clothes or whether it's watching their documentaries or whether it's walking into one of their stores or whether it's sharing their campaigns that they're working on, you know, it actually, brands are so much more accessible to us as, um, as change makers. And I couldn't agree more. I think we are, we're looking more and more to brands. I love how you said that looking more and more to brands as the change makers out there. Um, yeah, incredibly powerful. Yeah, I just think that it's, and 2020 has kind of brought that to a peak, hasn't it? Like it, it's, we, when when we're, uh, like we've we've looked to our socials and things like that to inform our our stance on things and, and brands are a big part of that, that feed. Mm, and like taking that leadership position. And another thing I really think that's happened through COVID as well is we've learned to live with less. And I think, you know, having to, mm stay home, you know, when we were, when we were doing the lockdown and I know that Melbourne's still in lockdown now and we might go again, but also I think when we took out all of our social commitments and sporting commitments and just took out basic, like, you know, a big part of our Mm. lives, it left all this space. And I think that's what's lacked in so many people's lives for so long is a little bit of space. And with that space, a lot of people are actually making much more conscious decisions with, the things that they purchase, you know, the brands that they're going to engage in, what they're going to do. So, you know, because we, you know, money, I think everyone kind of looked at their bank account and got a little bit tighter with the money. Mm. So these purchasing decisions aren't just made from this really mindless, unconscious place, but rather if I am going to spend this money, I'm going to spend it with someone who I believe is going to make this world a better place. And it's just like, that's kind of a vote every day that people can make. Or even like, you know, this brand, 
this brand doesn't align with who I, I, my values or what I think representation should look like. So I'm not going to support that anymore. And I think you're right. Given that space to actually just consider before you add to cart is, is a really valuable place that we can now all continue from. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I've seen happening is just popping into my mind as well is with this space that we've got, and we're probably all on social media a lot more. However, we're probably, um, I know for me personally, I'm actually more mindful of who I'm listening to on social media. And I feel like I can hear a lot more of what's going on right now because there's not as much happening in my life. And so, you know, I think, I think, you know, good brands are really going out on the front foot with their credentials and talking about, you know, I think Bank of Austra- Bank Australia is one that just comes straight to mind. I mean, they do so much amazing work and I knew a little bit of it maybe before COVID, but now that I've been able to just kind of sit back and absorb a bit more information that I'm receiving, I can just, I'm hearing so much more of the good work that they're doing amongst many other brands. And so, I mean, I think you're in a beautiful position to be honest, <laughs> um, you know, really telling those stories to an audience that I think is really listening right now me too I think now than now more so than ever before if as a brand you're not clear on your values or your ethics or kind of how you're contributing to tomorrow you're in trouble Mm. good segue into my next question Um, (laughs) absolutely perfect and that is that you know right early on in your ebook so I've had the pleasure of reading it everyone is that um, you talk about embedding your values into your DNA Um, so can you maybe give us an example of how brands do that yeah so I'm going to use I'm going to use compass as an example because that is my favorite brand. <laughs> but it's for <laughs> the, the one you know really, best, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, yeah exactly. Um, so, so when, before Compass even started, Luke and I sat down, sat down and we wrote our values. We wrote it, we wrote what we wanted our business to be, who the imaginary clients, which we represented, um, what was encourage, encourage and discourage from the team that we didn't have, um, and we basically spent a long time on this document, too long considering for people who didn't have any foreseeable income. But <laughs> the good news <laughs> is that we still use that document. So it's the very first document that we um, introduced to a new team member of Compass because it sets, a, it sets it really clear, it sets out really clear what, um, what we value, what we encourage, what we support, what we acknowledge, what we celebrate, and also what we don't. And I feel like by creating these values early, so by building into our DNA, we set the blueprint for the way we wanted to continue. And organically, we set both our internal and external external tone of voice. So it's like decisions are made so much easier when we have this funnel to work with um, because it's just a filter that informs everything we do. So that when I speak about building what you value in your DNA, it's actually a really, really solid place for a business owner, a startup, an entrepreneur to operate from because you have this kind of plan moving forward. Mm, that's really great advice. And actually it's, I've heard 
Um, it was, I think I was interviewing James from Stone and Wood. He's a st- sustainability manager there. And mm. it's something that he said to me, which was really similar. He said, you know, Stone and Wood, like we can do some really, really great things now because the business is more than 10 years old and the revenue's there and the systems and the the team and everything. He said, but, you know, his advice actually to, to early stage businesses and entrepreneurs was, you know, really like nut this stuff down from the start because if you've got yeah. it when if you've got it in place from the start then it will just grow from there and everything will be set on that really firm set of values and actually interestingly also last night I was talking with um a friend of mine he's a surfer and he's actually I mean I love him as a friend but now he's my new hero because he hangs out with Yvonne Chouinard and we were just talking wow. he was he was yeah yeah wow um <laughs> he was talking about you know how what Yvonne Chouinard has done, I mean, he really, like, he's such the grandfather, the forefather of this good business space that we talk of. And, you know, Dave was saying, you know, he just, he's, he's just held his morals really strong from the start. Like he knew what, he, he knows what's right and he knows what's wrong. And he just bases every business decision on that. And, but from a really simple perspective, you know, like it's not a complex, complicated strategy that he's got out there in the market. It's just right from the get-go, he had those, he had those values in place. He knew what they were and he's just stuck to them for the whole growth of Patagonia. And I mean, that is, I, I love Patagonia as an example because it is, it's creating such incredible impact and it is because it values align, value, there's a values alignment with it and it's people so strong that we wouldn't go anywhere else. And I actually touched on this in the ebook, but it's like you won't find Patagonia. Patagonia is in business for planet Earth. So that is their ethos. And every decision that they make externally, everything that they speak on and also what they don't speak on ties back to that in business for planet Earth. So you won't find them speaking on behalf of women's rights, of equality, of diversity, or on of staying at home, on staying at home because it doesn't tie back to in business with for planet earth so that doesn't mean that internally as a business they're not incredibly supportive and inclusive of those concepts it just means that they to their audience their their dialogue is this we are about the planet i loved that about your ebook yeah it's a really clear clear way to operate you can't jump on everything. You Unfortunately, we can't be experts. We can't be credible. We can't be authentic in every single topic. So just, just, just pick something and do it really well. And I always say to my clients, as well as I say to Luke and my team, are we going to care about this in 10, time, 10 years' time? Are we going to still be willing to inform and educate ourselves on the, con- on the conversation? And are we going to still be contributing to this? And if the answer is yes, absolutely shout it from the rooftops. Mm. I loved this for me because I'm I'm passionate about all the things, you know, like environment is, mm. is probably my main one, but I am a passionate humanitarian. I am passionate about human rights and I am passionate about child slavery and I am I'm passionate about all of these things and it can become quite overwhelming because particularly if you want to make that like embed that into your brand values, like into your brand DNA, it can become like because I feel like people who are passionate about one of those areas, like really passionate about one of those areas are quite passionate about 
all of those areas. And it can become yeah. overwhelming and confusing about, okay, well, what are we, what are we talking about today? And what's, what's this day coming up? And it can, so I actually, that was one thing I, I mean, I love many things about your ebook, but I really love that. It kind of felt like it took the pressure off a little bit. And then, you know, if I'm here talking, you and I are here talking about the environment, someone else is talking about women's rights and someone else is talking about, um, you know, race. And it just kind of, I, I feel like if we do stay in our lane and really like focus in on that message, we can be a whole lot more powerful around it. Exactly. And it's about listening. Like you can be passionate about on all those things, but you can't be, well, I don't know, like I personally can't be informed on all those things. I'm passionate about them too, but am I an expert on those things? No. But am I an expert on sustainability in the environment? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's what I can be a mouthpiece on. And, and then when it comes to issues like diversity of representation, I need to listen. I need to, mm. I need to learn. I need to listen to those and celebrate those voices who are more, more informed than me and who can say it better and connect better. And it's not always about you as a brand being, being the voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, sage advice, sage advice. Um, now, now I could sit here and talk all day, but I have <laughs> promised the audience that I'll keep these short and sharp. Mm. Um, I'm kind of going okay at that. I was like, yeah, they're going to be like 15-minute episodes. All right, they're always <laughs> half-hour episodes, guys. You know what I'm like I'm talking. <laughs> so, Nat, I was hoping if we could – I always love to, to leave our crew with something a little bit practical. So I was wondering if you could give us maybe your top three ways um, that you could put kind of – whether it's the brand values or just some like some guiding points for putting into practice marketing and PR um, from that good business standpoint? Yeah. So in the ebook, there's seven things to consider when embedding your value system into a marketing strategy. Um, But in terms of my personal top three, I would say start small. So pick something that you're passionate about, that you're willing to be educate yourself on, that you're willing to Stand by on the good bad days and the bad days and speak about it often and consistently. So the way in which we inspire action in communities is not speaking about something in relation to a news cycle. It's about us speaking about something today, tomorrow, next month, next year and ongoing because what you're trying to do is inspire the change that you want to see in the world. Human storytelling would be the second one. So if I ask anyone in the audience to, I'm going to use the climate change example, Prue, what's the last stat you heard on climate change? Oh. So it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And, yes. that is, and that is that is a total normal response. But if I ask you to recall the images that you saw back in January of the mm. firefighters, the the damage to our, our land, the, the wildlife, you would have vivid descriptions and and be able to add color and depth and emotion to that story so don't give people stats if you have a cause don't give people stats and facts give them the human human story because it's way more impactful and it's way easier to share and then I guess exposing yourself so I said before that this isn't an act of perfection and 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 you know there is no room for um like any sort of Um, egos here. No one's doing it perfectly. And we all need to lean into not only what we are doing right as good businesses, but also what we're not doing. So again, I feel like this has been a very heavily Patagonia focused um, (laughs) podcast, but I'm going to 
read a quote from Vincent Stanley, who's the head of philosophy at Patagonia. So he's been famously quoted as not liking the word sustainable, but preferring responsible. He explains, when Yvonne and I started writing the book, The Responsible Company, we were looking closely at the language being used around us and everyone was talking about sustainable companies. We thought, we're not sustainable at all. We don't know how to be a sustainable company. Even the most environmentally benign products we make are still taking more from nature than we can ever repay. So we can't be sustainable and using that word simply implies that we are better than we are. However, we can be responsible. And, And by that, we mean that a company can examine its practices, work out what it's doing wrong and start to take steps to engage in the process of continuous improvement. So I think that's a really good example of exposing yourself and also like owning what you're not. Oh, that's absolute gold. I've, I've got that book and I love it, but I'm going to go back and highlight that quote because that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Nat, they were absolute gold. Three wonderful tips there. So starting small and really pinpointing what you're going to focus on, the storytelling component, and then, of course, you know, like striving to be better and not not aiming for that point of perfection. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I would love, actually, maybe you could just tie us up with possibly an example here. It might be from one of your clients. Um, what's the potential? Like, you know, if, if, what's the potential for, if, if businesses are really focused on bettering the world around them um, and they do get their marketing and PR right, what's the potential for them out there in the marketplace? Well, I always say to my clients, change my mum's opinion. So my mum is a beautiful, generous, kind, well-educated woman in her 60s, but her her buying behaviours and her consumption habits are very well ingrained. So how can we give my mum the stories, the information, the knowledge, the inspiration to change the way in which she consumes and also inform her audience, be an advocate, because we don't need small-scale change right now. We need mass-scale change. We need everyone to change the way they're doing things. And if we can change the way in which audiences like perceive and engage with brands that are doing good, we can change consumption habits, we can change production habits, we can change the world. So change my mum's opinion. I love that. I love that. And actually a success story there. I mean, and this is, we'll just wrap this interview with how great Patagonia are. Um, <laughs> is that my dad is now actually called Patagonia Pete. That's what we call him because he's head to toe oh, in Patagonia. That. And he was that like 65-year-old man that bought his clothes from Kmart because that's where they were cheapest. Yeah. And we've just completely like brought him on board. So yeah. they're doing it well. But so are you guys, Nat. And I have to say a huge thank you for coming and sharing your knowledge and writing the ebook that's going to get out there. And just for this, you know, real dedication to the cause that you've got. I think it's big and scary jumping from uh, really solid and safe careers into your own business. It feels like, my goodness, like I'm jumping and I've got no parachute on the way down. But then to also have you know, the guts to niche yourself into just businesses that do good for the world. Um, it's two really big, courageous steps there and you guys are nailing it. So thank you so much for joining me. And if people do want to connect, how can they, how can they reach out? So the ebook's available to download for free on um, compass-studio.com. You can hit us up on social um, at compass underscore studio um, and you can drop into my DMs on my personal, which is nat underscore Dean Waymark.
Perfect. Uh, Nat, thank you so much again. Guys, get out there, get your hands on that ebook. Um, it's going to provide you with some, with a compass to really move forward on. So yeah, thanks again for joining me, Nat. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you never want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. I'm also dropping some juicy business building tips on Instagram. So head over to at Owners Collective to join in the fun. And finally, folks, if you're hungry for a deep dive into the entrepreneurial story behind some of the best businesses around, be sure to listen to my other podcast, One Wild Ride, where we talk all things good business, positive impact and epic adventures with the most inspiring entrepreneurs around.